What up, Fatherhoods Nation? If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. They've got ill creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Not only that, but Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and all that. You can make a little paper from your podcast too with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one spot. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is KGB. What up, is DJ EFN. Yo, and this is your man, Manny Digital. Welcome to the Fatherhoods Podcast. Beats, rhymes, and diamonds. So tonight we got another special guest, Jerry Barrow, and he's an esteemed journalist. You've probably read or seen his work on a multitude of media outlets, including BET, The Source, and one of my favorites, Scratch Magazine. He was uh, formerly editor-in-chief of that great publication, and uh, he is uh, the host of his new podcast, Fathers Who Bother. And most importantly, he's a father himself. Welcome, Jerry, to the show. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That was great, great, probably the best introduction I've gotten in a long time. Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, KK's a professional introducer, so, I mean, you, you should feel a little privileged. Yes, 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 <laughs> Actually, not. I usually wing it <laughs> for the most yeah. part. He, he does the introduction at uh, children's backyard brawls. Right. <laughs> Michael, not so buffer. Oh, man. So, um, so Jerry, we can talk about a bunch of different stuff. We were just kind of riffing about just the podcast world in general. Um, you know, for us, when we started this, it was kind of a combination of just being a little bit of a therapy session to talk amongst each other and gain some knowledge and just talk some shit and also to talk to other hip hop artists and kind of break the, some of the myths that are out there about uh, absentee fathers and all that good stuff. Um, for you with your pod, what was the genesis of starting it and, 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 all that good stuff. Um, I think the idea first came to me probably as far back as maybe 2012, 2013. Originally, I wanted to write a book um, because, you know, for similar reasons, wanting to kind of change the narrative about fatherhood in, in the hip-hop community and the black community in general. And just even dad, you know, beyond, you know, our different races and ethnicities. Fathers just don't get a lot of recognition in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, we suck. Got, we, we get all fucked up. <laughs> Fathers are always, um, you know, catching the short end of the stick to me. And, but more importantly, the more I was, the more I interviewed artists, the more their kids started becoming part of the picture. Like artists would come up to the office um, when I was at the Urban Daily and like Saigon would roll up with his, with his mm-hmm. kid or, you know, when I said Watch Loud, um, Rockness would come up with his daughter. 
And they were just kind of there because they were active and they were with their kids for the day while they were doing their press runs or whatever. And I was like, you know what? I'd like to tell that story. I'd like to talk to them about what it's like being a dad. But those platforms just didn't seem like the ideal places unless it was Father's Day, you know, once a year. Right. You can get to right. talk about your kids, yeah. <laughs> but not as an everyday thing. And I felt like, you know, um, this is this is a side of the, the artist that I think people need to see. And then most recently, while I was at DP, I interviewed um, Sterling K. Williams for this movie called Wade. And, you know, he's a father and his character plays, you know, his character was a father of a, of a troubled teen. And that conversation I had with him about his son and taking it to the movies and how they deal with certain things. I was like, this was like late last year. And I walked out of that conversation saying, okay, I have to stop playing around. This is, my heart was telling me, this is where I need to go. It's kind of like when I left the stores, I was kind of getting tired of like some of the, the rapper narratives and I was really more interested in what producers were doing. And that's when I left to go to scratch. And I started getting that same feeling again, like, okay, I. I've heard every type of story under the sun, it felt like. And this story, these stories need more light. Mm-hmm. And so um, in April, I got let go from BET because of the whole COVID thing. At least that's the reason that they gave me. Yeah. And I said, okay, I'm home. <laughs> I said, I'm home. You know, what can I do? And I've been talking to friends of who are running podcasts and they were showing me like, hey, um, you only need this. If you have this set up, here's a good, website that you can use to record and use this mic and I'm like okay I could actually do this myself and then you know I just jumped head first and started, I started out with the network that I knew um, artists that I was cool with and had been interviewing over the years who I knew were fathers and we had conversations about fatherhood either you know a little bit in the story or maybe offline um, you know so Fonte was the first person I thought of and then you know Sky, of course, Torrey, Mickey Facts, you know, and it's been great so far. Mm. How, what you mentioned earlier, um, you know, you started to see rappers bringing their kids to interviews and that kind of thing. Do you do you remember when that actually like when you when you noticed it? Um, the very first one. It might have been. Well, Saigon was definitely the first one I remember because I forget this is. When he was he on reality TV yet? I'm not sure, but he came through the office with his daughter, with one of his daughters, and he actually—if I could find the clip—he's that he actually ended up doing the interviews with her on his lap because she didn't want to let him go. <laughs> mm. So I was like, he was like, you, "You you okay with this? You cool with this?" I'm like, "Yeah, sure." I mean, I don't have a problem. And then more, um, I think after that, um, and that it was probably Royce, Royce the Five Nine, uh, who's my next yep. guest. The episode tomorrow's voice. Nice. Um, he came through with his daughter to do an interview when I was at Watch Loud. And then, funny enough, when he came through with Premiere to do an interview for Prime, Premiere and my GM, we were in his office because I think his manager was cool with my GM. I forget how it worked. We were all in his in, in my GM's office after their interview, and the conversation steered to father. I think Premier mentioned something about his kid. I think he his kid had either just been born or was young. Um, this was around twenty 
14, 15. So it was about maybe four or five years ago. And we spent 20 minutes talking about our kids, not about hip hop, not about, you know, music, touring, nothing. Everybody was engrossed in the conversation about their kids. And I was like, aha. I said, okay. I see. And, and this is something that just was in the back of my mind. That's around the first, that's when I first started noticing it. Um, for me. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I ask only because it, you start to see it more and more you know, over the years, right? And and it's less, yeah. it's not, not that I feel like rappers were like scared or what have you, but like, it, I guess it's become more okay to do. And, and now yeah. it's it's a lot more apparent, which is interesting because, I mean, like Kay said, I, I think one of our initial, or I guess one of the missions of what we do is debunk these stereotypes and these myths, right? Now, not to say that hip hop and society in general isn't full of, deadbeat dads or like scumbag you know fathers but there's a there's a a huge amount of hip-hop dads that are just not you know it just doesn't come up or they're really protective of their kids so you don't see them out and about with their kids all that often in you know in the media so the assumption is either they don't have any or if they do they're deadbeats and we come to find out that that's not the case a lot of times I i also think that there's um you know, as time progresses, we start to see more and more role models in certain situations. So, you know, think about some years back where, you know, if you're talking music or hip hop, um, being in a relationship or being married wasn't quote unquote right. cool. And then you have people that come in and change that narrative. And then, then it becomes like, oh, I want to aspire to have, uh, you know, to be married and, and be a, right. a power couple. And then I think the same, it almost feels the same on the family side of things, like the aspiration to have a solid family and to have kids and to show that you're taking care of your kids is now something to be proud of. Yeah. Because people, they, you know, an artist is like put on a pedestal and look like they don't even take shit. So, you know, you couldn't, you couldn't even imagine the artist changing a diaper. So it humanizes in it and it puts them on a different level to people. Right. I think I also, even though I've been hearing songs about fatherhood going as far back as maybe 2003, I think Tyler Crowley had a song called The Joy. I do yeah. want to get, I, I think Jay and Blue Ivy kind of changed in that, like put things in a different light for a lot of people. And they Khaled were too. Very, Khaled too. So, yeah. yo, Khaled for sure with his, with his son. <laughs> Um, he went but, um, <laughs> yeah, he went, he, he, he aside and got A&R credits and all that <laughs> stuff, you know. Um, but, you know, also you got to be tough too, you know, he named his restaurant after, after Justin and named his publishing, Justin Cohn Publishing. So it's been there. I don't want to make it sound like artists were never talking about it, but it, it definitely became more common. I would say in the last five or six years. And I think social media plays a part in that too. Mm. Um, the, the ones that are as comfortable sharing their family and private life did it. And it was like, oh, Freddie Gibbs, Freddie Gibbs got a cute baby. You know, yeah. that's just the artist got a cute kid. Um, so, but I remember a time definitely you had some artists who were like, my kids are off limits. And that, that was always in the back of my mind too. Even when I craft questions, I was like, okay. Some people might be more comfortable giving their kids names, for example. So I never really ask, well, what's your kid's name? Or how old are your kids? And I try to keep the questions 
general enough to make them comfortable answering. And if something comes up in the course of the interview, I might probe a little more, but I try not to go too, you know, I don't want to scare anybody off. Like, Oh, I, I don't right. want to answer that. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. But I remember reading an interview with LL Cool J in the store some time ago and the, and the interviewer, he was in the back of a limo with one of his kids and the interviewer went to ask his kid a question and LL was like, don't, don't interview him. Mm. And I was like, I remember that, that always stuck out in my mind that he was like, no, so has this time to be interviewed. Now it's not the time. So I know how protective people are with their kids. So in, as mm. a father, especially. Yep. And how many kids do you have, Jerry? I have two. I have a 17 year old boy and 11 year old girl. Um, they're, they're great. They're great. Yeah. So you out there, you almost out the woods, man. Almost. And he, he, he start well, he starts college in September, you know, if everything goes well, it might be remotely, even though it's local. Um, but yeah, he, 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 he's almost an adult. I'm teaching him how to drive right now. (laughs) Me and my wife. So, and my daughter, you know, we're almost looking at high school. And then, yeah, I can see, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel almost. <laughs> let me ask you, let me ask you guys this um, collective mm-hmm. question. So I don't know if you saw the news uh, as of yesterday, LA, LA Unified School has basically shut school for the rest of uh, this year. I mean, it's all going to be remote going forward when the, when the fall starts back up. Um, I'm guessing that there's going to be a lot of other uh states and cities following that lead are you guys how, how are you guys handling the thought of that and how did it go for you guys uh you know pre uh summer break well, i'm nowhere near that so i'll let you guys actually <laughs> too young yeah i'm gonna I'm punt it over to jerry since he's our guest oh um, <laughs> actually my kids handled it pretty well the remote learning you know my son's a senior so most of his his courses he was already kind of done he'd gotten his acceptances and so he actually had one of his best semesters remotely and then you know my daughter was doing google the google classes google meet so she i think once a day she'd sit with her class on the computer and they'd have their lesson and luckily they i think they did both did really well with independent learning and i explained to him to my son that this is a precursor to how college is going to go for you because you're not going to get handheld you're basically going to get told by your professor at lecture, go read this, come back and be prepared to discuss it. So this is a good setup for him. Right now, New York is still up in the air about whether they're going to fully launch or fully open schools. We prefer that it will remain remote at least for the first until the end of the year. That's my my preference because I just don't think they have a handle on how they're going to do this safely. I'm looking at Florida, that governor is trying to push for the reopening. And I don't, his, his rationale is what about football season? Nobody cares. Like, <laughs> nobody cares about sports. They want their kids to be healthy. And I just feel what like. What about football season? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yo, yo, with a straight face. Yo, E, your man's bugging, E. <laughs> <laughs> he said it with a straight face. And I'm like, no one cares about high school and college sports right now we're worried about safety like the nba can't even get this going yet yeah you know they're trying out in the bubble the professionals with all the resources in the world have not figured this out yet why are we sending our kids off 
for the sake of what? Like, I, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm, I think we should wait. I'm, I'm like, I, I guess I'm more centric about it. So part of me is like, so <laughs> part of me is like my, well, my school age kids. So, so Jerry, I have three kids. I got a four year old girl, seven year old boy and a 13 year old girl. And so mm-hmm. the oldest, well, the oldest in particular, I feel like she's like 60% able to handle like social distancing and wearing the mask properly and doing what she needs to. My son, I probably give him like a 35% (laughs) effectiveness rate. Right. So, but, but you know, and, and this might be a little cynical, but like, I feel like them, I'm almost to the point where I feel like everybody's going to get this or a large majority of people are right now. How bad is it going to be? Who the fuck knows? Right. It hits everybody differently. Nobody wants to catch it, but ultimately the way shit's looking, I don't see how we dodge it. Or we're, we're saying to ourselves, we're just not going to live our lives anymore. And I don't think that's reasonable for us to expect. So then if I'm thinking, you know, if that's, that logic sits uh, sticks. Then to me, it's like let's do everything we can to safeguard, you know, to to uh, minimize the risk, the precautions, right. all the precautions. Yeah, like right. I think face masks should be worn. I don't know. I don't think it's reasonable to expect somebody, anybody, kid or otherwise, to wear a mask five hours straight, eight hours straight. That think I think that's a little bit much. But they got to find a a middle ground somehow. I don't have the answer. Somebody I'm waiting to hear from is this guy, Michael Osterholm, who's been all over the, the news as a kind of one of the experts around infectious diseases. He's, he's got a podcast. You sure that's not Chuck Woolery? No, <laughs> 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 he kind of does. He kind of does look like him. But, wow. but the guy Trump's listening to, Chuck Woolery? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he shit on uh, Fauci, right? Yeah, all the time. Took a big shot on him. All the time. But, but he's got a podcast next week, I think it is. So maybe when this drops, he's going to be talking about kind of his recommendations around how to send kids back to school, which so far he's given like really good um, kind of like practical advice on how to cope with this shit. Because locking down all day long for months at a time, it ain't it. So we got to figure out kind of a middle ground that we could be responsible about. So my vote is go to school, but like let's try to do it cautiously. See, I don't know how you do that, though. That's the thing. I, I don't uh, I don't have an answer either. Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm 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 with Jerry on sp- stick to remote until we figure out. Does, but safe, it doesn't seem like anything's going to get figured out. That's well, the yeah. I mean, like guys, I don't have I don't have a horse wait. in that race right now because my kids yeah. are too young. But I'm with Manny. Like, like, I just don't feel like this is going any direction where you're just shutting everything down and shit's still getting bad. You know, like, well. Yeah, I mean, do we shut every single thing down? No, we can't shut every single thing down. But when it comes to, I guess for me, when it comes to, like, out here, so so I'm L.A. based, and so there's there's been, I guess prior to them saying all remote, they were talking about different scenarios of it's full days of school, and then there's a kind of a mid-range where um, – you know, a group of kids come in for the first two days and then a separate group of kids come in for the other two days. And then so there's a, a switch and there's not quite as many kids 
there and but they, again you're still you're, you're still like all right well the kids got to wear masks the whole time they're there and you know they can't be next to each other and like for those that have been around little kids you know that they're magnets with each other there's just no you know you can tell them a hundred times six feet and then you look over and they're going to be yeah, right sure. next to each other yeah, <laughs> you it's, know it's, impossible. So, it's impossible and again we, uh, again it's not like are people going to get it and and are the majority are, are the majority of people who get it is it um the worst case scenario is it is it is it do they actually feel sick we don't know i guess the 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 point is is like we just there's so many unknowns and for just for me as a parent i'm like i get that like my son needs interaction and physical activity and hanging out with other kids and all that stuff but i also don't know if i feel comfortable like even if it was a, a mid-range of like all right you go to school for two days in that short time that he's at that school, if they're, if he's been exposed somehow and he brings that back home, um, you know, that was a situation that might not needed to happen if we're able to facilitate and help him with the learning and still take him outside and all that kind of stuff. But, But don't you think by that logic, then you shouldn't be going to the supermarket. You shouldn't be doing errands. You shouldn't be doing like, I just think that, there's a yeah, this, yeah, this is mean, a lose lose situation yeah, all around. Lose lose, but there's certain things that like all right, do I think there's certain things that you like you've got to go to the like you got to go get food, right? You got to go do some things, but for for those that are I guess you have more of a more control of the situation, like do I send my kid into this environment or can I, you know, can I do it remote and just kind of ride it out and play it a little safe? I think those are the kind of things that parents have to think about. And to your earlier point, like going to the grocery store, you're in the store for maybe an hour top. You're going to be in school all day. That's a different type of thing to me. Like that's you're going out, you're going to the pharmacy, you're going to get essential things. You're asking kids to stay in school for like hours. Yeah. And, 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 and you're moving around too in these places, right? So if you're, if you got a mask mm-hmm. on and you move in, chances of you getting hit is less but see that's all that's all lack of of understanding of how this thing really works so you could say that there's a flip to that you could say you're going to school you're being you're going to be with one group of people and that's it you know but you go to the grocery store you're a bunch of people uh-huh. so the variables you know it's law of averages at that point yep. you know you're throwing it up in the air so it just depends because we don't know that's the problem at the end of the day lack of leadership we don't really know what's going on Every state's doing their own thing. Every city's doing their own thing. And it's just, it's, it's fuckery. And if you want to get super deep, you could get deeper and say that at the end of the day, there's people that are actually winning out there, you know, from, from people suffering and, and things oh, getting worse, sure. and things being shut down. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, they're saying this is the biggest transfer of wealth, you know, that's potentially going to happen. And it's happening like, you know, underground, basically. Shit. Uh-huh. The billionaires have gotten richer since. You know, yeah, like, they're boom, buying boom. up everything. Oh, everything's fucking going down in price. Boom, boom, buying everything up, you know? Yeah, fuck. I mean, so, you know, people keep, because, Jay, I'm also in New York, so people keep telling me, like, ah, oh, y'all are good over there. Why you, why you being so, like, strict about shit? And I'm like, yo, I don't buy it. I don't buy it because you're not going to tell, look, I know for a fact when people fly in to airports here, I heard it most recently this week. There's no, there's no quarantine. 
Nobody They're asking supposed you no to. questions. It's supposed to be voluntary quarantine for in New York for right. 14 days. Right. But if you come, it doesn't matter. Like, there's no signs. There's nothing. There's just like, it's just a regular day in the airport. Nobody's doing extra screens. None of that shit. So, like, how easy is it for somebody to not only fly in, but drive in, right, from wherever the fuck? So, like, you're not going to tell me that we're not going to see a surge like everybody else. It's impossible. Like, people are moving. So, I'm not taking any unnecessary steps. I'm kind of keeping it to what I've been doing. We're going out a little bit more because the weather's nice, but we're not, we're not going crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I got to park up. This, I'm in Queens, so I got to park up the block. I'll go take my walk. You know, I'll keep my mask on. But I come right back in the house. Like, I'm not trying to be out in the movies. I'm not trying to go sit down in the oh, restaurant. Right. They, got pe- they got people sitting in the street, literally sitting in the street in bus stops at restaurants. And I'm like, it's not that deep. Get uh, your food to go and go home. <laughs> like, right. I'm not sitting here <laughs> eating my food with bus fumes blowing in my face. Yeah. It's, it's not, not that serious. <laughs> yeah, I was, I, was in, I was in the Bronx two days ago. Uh, and I, I drove by this park. Yo, it looked like, without exaggeration, there was probably 150 people having a party there. In the middle mm-hmm. of the day, no, not not one person had a mask on. They was Oof. real close, and then the Bronx got hit really hard um, back in March. I think I think at one point it was like the worst hit city in the world, like per capita. And I'm looking at these people, and I'm like, "Yo, son, we're not learning nothing." And and really quick, because and I'm sure we want to move on from this to get to yeah. something else, but. <laughs> But the other thing, too, is to think about is teenage kids, high school age kids, they're not going to stay home. So so you got that factored in. So if you're, you're if you know, I mean, I'm not again, I don't my kids are too young, so I couldn't speak to this. But how many parents can really say that they can keep their kids quarantined if there's no school for the rest of the year? Their kids well, are going to eventually go out, go to parties, go do something, get togethers. And then you don't think that's just as dangerous? Well, Jerry, you got your your son is well, seventeen. My son, right? has, my, my son has gone. We've allowed him to go to a couple of graduation functions that were outside with a limited number of people. You know, small group of friends, no more than ten people. So it's like kids, parents, and a couple of their close friends. Initially, we weren't letting him go anywhere because you know my mother's in Freeport; she's older, and we were trying to keep you know anything potentially from getting to her. But we've let him slowly go out. My daughter really doesn't, you know, have anywhere to go just yet. Um, you know, we've just not been trying to use our best judgment. Like, if we know the family and we know that they're taking the same precautions that we're taking, we feel a little bit more comfortable. But, you know, they did a, they did a, they did the parade, the car, the car parade for the graduation. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> you know, I love that. Hot the horns and what have you. Um, you, you try. It's hard for the class of 2020. You didn't want to take everything away from them, but you got to be realistic, you know. And my son, luckily, he he's got some common sense. He he understands what's at stake, and they're both kind of introverted anyway. So this isn't really impacting them in a major, major way yet. I know for some other kids who just live to be outside, um, it might be harder. But you know, got my daughter a cell phone, so now she can FaceTime her friends and. You know, it's a little bit easier since he's been able to do that. But I, I'm, I'm still not, you know, 
trying to let them go out too often or to any large gatherings. Mm. I, I think that's, the, I, sorry, just to put a, a, a final point on this one. I think that's the probably the best thing we can do is just figure out who you trust in your circle, talk to them, get on the same page, develop a sense of trust between you guys. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. you you know, that's your, that's your cohort. And if you guys feel yeah. like you can expand it, then there's certain criteria that you guys are comfortable with. Then you do that slowly and, you know, and safely. That's, that's the best thing I think we can do. Cause again, we are not creatures that are meant to be caged up. Like that's just not how we operate. So, and trust me, I'm saying all this shit, acting like I'm out here, you know, taking risks. My ass is at home, be like, I, don't <laughs> I go outside and it's like, yeah. yo, I'm in and now. I'm really like, it's like tactical. Like I'm in the fucking military when I'm outside. I'm just like ducking and fucking bobbing and weaving. But, but <laughs> you, I'm I'm coming to the real to the point where I'm just like, yo, it's we cannot, we can't. Yeah. But to your earlier point, Manny, I do feel that it's inevitable that almost I feel like everybody's just going to get it. That's how I'm starting to feel right now. And Miami's become, Florida's become the epicenter, supposedly. Yeah. And close to me, I, I, I would tell you that in the past three or four weeks, I know six people, two of them very close to me that, that have gotten it. They tested positive. Crazy. Yeah. Are they, and overall, they I've known about, like, there's about 10, 12 people that, that I know. Shit. Personally, you know. I don't even have that many people personally here that I that I know. So that's crazy. So off of co- off of COVID, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Jerry, um, obviously, parenting and being a father is an important thing to you. Um, what was your relationship like with your dad, and and I guess what what made you realize kind of the importance of being a dad and the importance of, of parenting. Cause it doesn't necessarily hit with everyone, right? Some people just look at it as like, all right, well, it's just, you know, it's a part of life where I have some kids and, and it's part of what I do and I got to provide, et cetera. And then there's other folks that it, it takes a deeper meaning and it kind of, it, it leads your, your life in a sense. Oh man. My dad, uh, he was amazing. He, he passed in 2018. He was, you know, he's the reason why I'm the type of father I am. You know, he was super involved and there every day. I remember him working six days a week and going into the city with him as a kid. He used to work at Citibank. And I used to, I remember him getting up at the crack of dawn to go into the city when we lived in Cambria Heights and everything from work ethic to, you know, responsibility all of that he 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 is Guyanese, you know, West Indian, come from an immigrant family. And he was incredible. You know, one of my favorite memories of my dad was I think I was maybe six or seven and I got my bike stolen. I went down to the um to the corner store and I asked my friend at the time to watch my bike while I went inside. When I came outside, my friend was standing there like, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm like, yo, where's my bike? <laughs> He's like, yo, this kid took it. I'm like, yo, but I asked you to stand here to keep somebody from taking it. He was bigger than me, yo. I was like, oh, my God. You didn't beat his so, ass to the third power? Like, <laughs> you got to you gotta put hands on somebody after that. <laughs> yeah, I was like seven. I was, it wasn't even like oh, a okay. I was, right. Yeah, I was real, I was real young. So, 
this is my second bike. This is the bike I had been kind of building, you know, putting little pegs and grips on there to try to make it look flyer than it was. And somebody saw it and took it. I went home crushed and um, told my family, told, I think my pops was on his way home from work. My, my block on in Kingbury Heights, got in, I love them. They all motivated to go look for the bike. This is how things were in the 80s. So everybody was driving around. When, Jerry got his bike stolen. Let's go try to find the bike. And I, drove, I remember driving around one of my neighbors to try and find the kids. Nothing. Got back home. I'm sitting on the curb just like, damn, everybody's telling me, oh, we'll get you a new bike. We'll get you a new bike. I look up, and here comes my father on his 10 speed with my bike in his hand in tow. And I was like, what the heck? Like, how? And he was like, I went up such and such block. I saw the bike on the lawn. I went up to the kid, and I took him. The kid's mother came outside, and he was like, this is my son's bike. And he took it. And just took it. He didn't say nothing. He just took the bike back. And you know, you know, you hear about folks getting their bikes stolen. The, the 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 chances, the odds of getting it back are like zero to none. Because most yeah. dudes, they go to other neighborhoods to steal a bike. This kid was dumb enough to steal a bike from his area, you know. And yo, that that day, my was my dad was cemented as my superhero, you know. And mm-hmm. um, you know, we we had our ups and downs with when I um, you know, came back from college. You know, you go away. You think you've grown. I came back. I'm living in the house. I'm used to, you know, going out and doing whatever I want. And, you know, two kings can't live in the same castle. So I remember things were real tense with us after I came back from college. And then once I moved out on my own, the relationship got infinitely better. So he's like, okay, now you're grown. You're doing your own thing. And there was more of an equality there. But yeah, like I remember the first time I looked in the mirror and saw my father's face. I was like, "Oh shoot!" Uh, and even as, as and even as a parent, you know, the first time I said something and heard my father's voice come out of my face, you know, you got life too good. I'm like, "Oh shoot, that's that." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I had a I had a great relationship with my dad, and he's a big big reason why I'm I'm the father that I am. That's dope. Yeah, what's up? What, what's up with the parent that like that doesn't say anything to their kid who comes back with a bike? <laughs> like, I'm sure. thinking to myself, like, if my kid came came back and left and, and that has, like, has a new bike, I'm I'm not gonna question. Like, right? Like, Where did you get that? <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, the '80s were kind of rough, though. Like, oh yeah, right. shit was real. <laughs> Yo, people jacking yeah. shit left and right. <laughs> yeah, this is maybe what eighty two, eighty one, eighty. I'm I'm I turned forty six on Saturday, oh, so yeah, this is like eighty two. So nice, damn, different son. time. Yeah, that's wild shit. Let me let me ask you guys. <laughs> let me ask you guys a question now. So um, so my little one, and actually a friend of ours also mentioned the same thing. So my four year old, and Jerry, I'm really curious how you how you kind of got through this because. I'm I'm not out of the woods yet. My little one is using the word hate a lot, right? Like, if she doesn't get her way quickly, I hate you. She wow. does it? No, nah, she hasn't said that to me. I had to think for a second. But she said it to her brother. She says it to her sister. 
and I and it pisses me off. But I, you know, you know why she's doing it because it's a she understands what she's doing, uh, which I thought initially wasn't the case, but she knows what it means because I straight up asked her. I was like, "Yo, so do you know what hate means?" She goes, "Yeah, it's when you don't love somebody." I was like, "All right, we Oof. on the we on the right track." I mean, it's deeper than that, but she she understands and. And I'm and and I'm like, ah, right, it's just a phase, and I know it is, but she's manipulating the situation so much with it that now I gotta get I gotta get like kind of MacGyver about it. Like I can't just be like, yo, chill, you know it's wrong. Like I gotta get more creative about the situation, just kind of move her away from it because she she almost she has the power now to to utilize it effectively when it when it makes sense for her. So. I'm not necessarily afraid that it becomes a habit because because she has the understanding, but I'm afraid it kind of morphs into something bigger and just manifests itself more because she's fucking pro at manipulation at this point. So my question is, and and Kay, I don't know if you've gone through this. E, I don't, I don't you probably no. I feel like I'm going that. through it now. Yeah, she's so, not using hate, but she's using other words like like it. Right. So like. How how would you approach it? Like I mean, like I said, I don't think this is super serious right now, but it can be. And and I'm curious if Jerry, you've gone through it, or Kay, how you guys might have dealt with it. Um, in terms of hate, so she's to understand this better. She's saying hate when she wants something or when someone's done something that she doesn't approve of, or when she doesn't get her way, she says, "I hate you." Yeah. So let me give you a, a specific scenario, right? So. Um, she'll she'll go to her brother. He's watching TV. He's watching a program that he wants, you know, on the television, and rightly so because he got permission to do so. Whatever, right? So he's doing his thing, watching TV. She comes to him and she goes, "Hey, can I please watch such and such? Whatever she wants to watch." And he goes, "No. When I'm done, you know, you can go." And she goes, "I hate you." And she like <laughs> storms off. Right, because she didn't get her way. So she thinks the other thing of it too is she thinks that because she says she asks nicely, that automatically right. that means it's a go for her. Mm. And when she shut, when she gets turned down, that's her reaction. It's like I hate you, and, and she pouts and shit. I guess my 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 initial instinct is to not so much focus on the words, but focus on the emotions and. The circumstances around it. Damn, Doctor Jerry. Go ahead. <laughs> Say it again. I'm, Say it again. I, 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 I'm saying just focus on the emotions. And he the went Freudian on you. Yeah, he did. I, yo, that shit. For real, it got kind of deep right there for a second. I was like, damn, this shit. It's just therapeutic. Really, because because the kids are smart, and they'll if you fixate on the word, they'll just find a different word, and then still be conveying the same emotion mm. and that's not what you want to really then you, you handicap yourself that way. Mm. so you want to try to reason with them as far as why are they using this word and i guess in this scenario you ask them well why do you say you hate it well if you won't let me watch tv i said well do you think so what happens when something really bad happens mm. what word are you going to use then like you're using you're using your big joker right now right right <laughs> and right really in really minor circumstances, you know, right. when when someone really does something that you don't like, where are you going to go then? She's, then you're just going to be known. You're going to be known as the hate you girl, 
<laughs> right. For everything. Like I mean, that. no, knowing my daughter, she'll just add fuck, fuck in between, and she'll be like, "I Woo! fucking hate you." <laughs> oh wow, wow. Well, we never really the language thing was never allowed to fly with us. That oh no, no, we we have we have that shit on lock over here. I mean, we we yeah. even try not to, but you know, it's it, it doesn't always work out for the adults. Yeah, so that that would probably. Be my, my, my advice is to really, and I'll be able to how do you reason with a four year old? Kids are smarter than we give them credit for. Yeah. And it's easier sometimes to talk to them and reason with them. Um, and if you, if that's how you start, some, if, if you don't start that way, it's hard to regress to, to switch that. If you've been one of the kind of aggressive, yelling, punitive type of parents to then go back to trying to reason with them hard because they're like, wait a minute. This is not what I've been used to. So from jump, you know, my parents never, never hit us. Like there's what me and my sister have a story where we remember the one time our father hit us. One time. We called it the two lashes. The what? The one time. The two lashes. The one. Remember that time oh. daddy gave us with, with the belt? <laughs> one, two. He hit us both with one swing. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> and that was the only time he ever in life. Ever and that, but that one time was enough for us to remember, and we never did nothing. <laughs> but later in life, you know, I talking to him, you know, I realized he hated that. He, yeah. he hated when he did that. Never wanted to do it again. And I had a similar situation with my son. Um, I, I never hit him. At one time, he talked back to me. I think he was maybe nine. I said, "I don't understand you." Sometimes he said, "Well, I don't understand you." Sometimes Ooh. my hand before. Before I even could, could could get my hand up, before I could even stop myself, my hand was already tapping his mouth. Right. So I was like, Oof. I couldn't believe he had the audacity to talk back to me like that. Yeah. And I felt horrible. I remember going to work and, and running to my boy, Dave Swan, from God. He's like my Cody when it comes to the parenting thing. Because our kids used to go to school together at one point. And I remember telling him, Dave, you know, I hit you. Oh man, I know, I know. And I was like, I'm never letting myself get that angry again. Yeah, but let, um, let, so let, I, let, I, let me ask you real quick before before I hand it over to Kay. Um, okay. You when when that happened, right? Did you show how remorseful you were, or did you keep the front like, yeah, I did that shit. You better watch it. And what? Nah, I, t- I told him I was wrong. I told oh, him okay. afterward. That's, like, bo- that's noble. Wrong. That's noble. I don't know if I would have done that. I kind of would have played the front and maybe apologized later. Now, what, not, now, not, what in that moment, not in the moment. Oh. It, it definitely wasn't oh. in the moment. Okay. Like, after I did it, I cooled off. I went, I think maybe when I came back home later, I, I went to talk to him and said, listen, I know this morning that wasn't cool. That, that will never happen again. And No, but not in that moment. I was, I was, too angry, yeah, <laughs> but I yeah. felt I felt awful to myself as soon as I did it. I saw the look on his face, the look of betrayal on his <laughs> face is like, "Yo, Dad hit me, or what?" <sighs> but at yeah. the same time, he kind of realized, "Oh, I crossed the line. Right. My pops don't hit me, <laughs> so, so what did I do?" <laughs> you know. Now, how does that play out with your wife? Did you, mm. Were you guys unified and like, all right, he may have deserved it at that point, but that this is something that we don't <laughs> normally do, or was she upset? She she wasn't upset with me. She she knows that he pushes our button. She's a little more, you know, 
she, 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 my, my wife is Haitian, so she handed up the Tao Tao before, but not often, you know? I mean, there wasn't like a, it was, it was one of those things where like, if mom did that, then you knew. But I personally, I guess because of my size, I never felt comfortable, you know, laying hands on them. Um, especially, definitely not my daughter, never. Um, so, That's foul. yeah, she was, she, she, Huh? That's foul. You you know you don't treat your kids the same. You love your daughter more. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I, I just I haven't seen the men hitting women. Nah, that's true. Even. Nah, nah. I'm I'm joking. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nah. I think we all have that yeah. thing. Yeah, we. Yeah, we yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, even even if we were allowing that type of discipline, I'd leave that to my wife when it came to my daughter. I'm like, right. okay, so you think she deserves a spanking? Okay, you handle that. I'm I don't I'm not trying to normalize. A man hitting her for her. So, Thanks. yeah. Well, gents, I know we all got kids to uh, to spank, take care of. By the way, we're just kidding. It's a joke, okay? Yeah. Nobody fucking get crazy over there on the social media. We're just joking. Guys <laughs> are canceled. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna lose all our non sponsors. <laughs> Yo, Jerry, man, um, it, it was a pleasure kicking it with you, brother. Uh, good luck. I appreciate it. Thank you. Much Thank success you so to much. you on the podcast journey, and uh, hope, to, hope to have you back on, man. Check, yeah. Yeah, check, check in. Thank you. I, yeah, I'm having a great time, and um, you know, this is just really fulfilling and having my world collide like this. My, my hip-hop love and my fatherhood love coexisting, it feels great. And I know you guys understand, so uh, right. I appreciate you for being one of the other examples out there and, you know, letting people know that this is, this is not a, you know, a fluke or just something that people do fly by night. You know, I see yep. you guys, what, 90, 90 episodes in? How many episodes in? You are 98. Ah, see? Yeah. That's what's up. You gotta do. I hope you. I'm. I'm looking out for 100. Yeah, I got something big planned for 100. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're we got something in the work. Something. Yeah. We're we're bet, we're working. Bet. How about that? We're working. <laughs> bet, bet. Uh, All right. I'll, before we get out of there, guys, one 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 last. This this will go to everyone. What's uh What's everyone currently listening listening to at this point? Hey, Jerry. Jerry, start with you. Oh man. Um. I was playing that thought at work, the the, the Black Thought um, joint that he just released, um, Sky Zoo Project, Milestone. Yep. yep. Um, and uh, my rotation has been a lot of, <laughs> you probably laughing. I've been playing a lot of stuff from the Insecure HBO soundtrack. So that, oh, that no, music director is kind of fire. Good music. Yeah, yeah, they they got some fire. They they um they dropped a song by um um son of the James. It's like a um called things I should have said. It's like um sorry, and yeah, so that's that's the vibe I've been on lately. Yeah, I've cool. been I've been repeating Kid Cudi and Eminem. Uh, I forget uh-huh. the name of the song, but uh, I'm trying to, like, it, it hit me, because, you know, you kind of got to listen to shit a little bit so so you can figure it out, but uh, 
my I was engaged immediately, and then I decided right, I got to go deeper and like really understand the story, really hear the lyrics. So that's kind of what I don't get a lot of time to even listen to music. So that was kind of where I focused my attention. Oh, and Drake been, uh, and the best of, and the Drake, best, the best of Drake. Yeah, and the best of Drake. Yeah, my kids. So like when I so like I shoot hoops with them. We will play music. My that's that's the one artist right now that we can re, you know uh, agree on. Oh, got it for all of us for, this year. With my daughter, it's been all all day, every day. Bob Marley. Oh, dope. She, yeah, oh, that's dope. that's dope. She loves it, and we play it all day. And then on my own, I'm I'm playing Run the Jewels. New yeah. joint. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, I keep bringing back uh, to Pimba Butterfly. Mm. Really? I haven't yeah. listened to that in a while. I don't know. It just feels so like now for some reason. Yeah. I've, yep. he- I've heard that it's from other timely. people. Yeah. Yeah. Super timely right now. Yep. What about you, Kay? Um, I've been. Let's see. I, I took a little time and I've been checking out some of these curated playlists uh, by this label called Strut. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but they do like a lot of, they release like a lot of obscure international, like world funk, I don't know, soul jazz type stuff. Um, so they have K over here. Yeah. yeah, They have some, some, some cool stuff that I've been checking more on, like um, kind of Afro pop style stuff. And then, I started going down a rabbit hole of um, 80s house, like Todd Terry style stuff, just kind of reminiscing because that used to be something that that, that I dug, um, those sounds. And then some UK grime also that I've just this been getting. Oh, you got a lot of music time, son. I wish. <laughs> Not really. I mean, these are really quick, like kind of quick hits. Like, oh, let me, you know, I found myself like, trying to go to sleep to some music lately yeah that's something i remember doing as a kid and so i've been trying to do a little bit of that more lately but with the uk grime what i used to like because i'm a big reggae head and i used to really like um in the 80s and 90s a lot of the the reggae and hip-hop collaborations and mashups and stuff and what grime reminded me of is because it's you know there's a lot of patois and West Indian influence, and, and so on top of the beats, it may, it reminds me of, of of that style. So I gotta check. You gotta send me some of that then. That yep. sounds dope. And there it is. All right, fellas. Pow. Later, y'all. Thanks, pow, pow. All right. <laughs> thanks, thanks so much, man. Thanks, right, Jerry. Man. Appreciate Thank you, it, man. Right. All right. All right. Peace. Yo, be a father. If not, why bother, son? A boy can make him, but a man can raise one. Be a father to your child.